This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. put on his adidas and stepped through fire now the people are speaking they're focused and inspired he's your host icy robots hey kids it is me icy robots and i am back for back for more fire stories as you know the the icy robots earth base is located in lovely santa rosa which is in lovely sonoma county which was victim to uh many a fire recently many a wildfire if you listen to my previous episode, the one not about Universal Monsters, but the one before that, it was all about our harrowing escape from the from the incoming flames. It got uh, it got pretty bad. The fire we were most likely to get got by was the Tubbs fire. That is because it was started out on Tubbs Road, which is near Calistoga, which is near us. If you head through the hills out that away, you will uh you will get to Calistoga. Calistoga got it um pretty good. Not so much the city, but the outlying like tree areas got pretty burnt up. At one point the entire city of Calistoga was evacuated. At one point there were I believe up to 100,000 people evacuated in all. That is that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of refugees out there. That's that's a pretty bad scene. But what I want to do with this is share some of the other stories that I have. I told the story of escape, and that was that was one thing. But the entire situation was much longer than the initial escape. It's still still going on today not so much the fire the reports are that they are 95 percent contained in a couple of the fires there's also the atlas fire and the nuns fire which had us surrounded at one point but the the atlas and the nuns are completely contained and the tubs is 95 percent contained so we are out of any kind of immediate danger but the the after effects will be lingering on for days and i'm going to I'm just going to like you know share some of my interesting observations of that time period i don't know i don't know the format that i'm going to do this in i kind of think it's going to be formatless like the like the last episode about the fires i i got a got a few stories i don't know whether i should do them like chronologically or by topic so what i figure i'm just going to like just gonna let it flow man I'm just gonna let it go I'm gonna start and then it's going to it's gonna take us wherever it takes us so let's hope it let's hope it takes us in some way in a in an interesting pattern there may be there may be overlap stories because I gotta be honest the one that I recorded about the the harrowing escape I did that in like one take I never played it again. It was too traumatic to hear it again. I haven't heard it. I don't know. I don't know what I blathered on about. I was tired. I was freaked out. It's very, 
very raw and real, and I don't I don't know the deal, so I may end up telling some stories again twice. If I do, just jump ahead or or listen to it again. Whatever whatever is easier for you. I don't want to put you guys out by making you hear these uh, blatherings more than once. So at the beginning, we got evacuated from the house. We got thrown out by the police. The police were going door to door, and they're beating on everybody's door, and they were screaming. Evacuate, evacuate, you have to get out now, you have to get out now. We had a, we had a guy cop on our side of the street, and I saw there was a lady cop on the other side. I don't think that's important or interesting in any way, but I wonder if the experiences of the people who, uh, got evacuated by the lady cop are different, because I, I did see she was going about it a bit slower, and I don't mean that she was doing less work, I mean she was being, like, a bit more... A bit more careful, like she would beat on the door and then beat on the window. She was making sure she got somebody every time, whereas the, whereas the guy cop was going door to door to door quickly. He was trying to cover as much, as much area as he could. I bet he was thinking like, I'm going to go through, I'm going to beat on these doors, and if I don't hear somebody, I'm going to loop back around, but I want to make sure that I get everybody at least once while the lady cop was making sure each one was completely done. I'm not saying that either one is better. It's just a difference in the in the situation for the people because we heard him yell and he booked. It made it a uh, made it seem very real. I don't know how many of you have ever been evacuated for any reason. I myself, I have never been. I've never been I've never been unable to get back to my house. What's interesting also is there was a lot, a lot, a lot of evacuation in Santa Rosa. Our neighborhood, the entire coffee park area, which was completely destroyed. There were evacuations out in out in Bennett Ridge in Bennett Valley where uh, Gino, Vega, Gino Vega used to live. I believe his parents were evacuated. I think, if I remember correctly... They live on or near the Bennett Ridge area, and they were they were evacuated out. Getting evacuated is it's very scary. They don't want you to leave for no reason. The reason you're leaving is that they fear your life is in danger. So you have to you have to go. And what to grab with you is a major concern. At the time, you're just thinking. I was at least anyway. Like the immediate now. I, I'll say this. I feared that the house was going to be destroyed. I really, I really did. But I don't know how much in my heart I thought that it would be destroyed. I could see, I could see flames in the distance. I could see them. And when I say the distance, I don't mean, I don't mean up on the hills. I mean down on the ground, like 400 yards from where we were. I could see them But I knew there was a major building in the way. The middle school is between us and the flames. I've said this a dozen times. I've told this story to like a million billion people. Everybody we know has contacted us. And I appreciate that because if you look on the map of the Tubbs fire, there is a point where the there's like a finger poking out, a finger of flames poking out. And that finger of flames on a map is poking out right to our street. So anybody who's looking at a fire map knows that fire was at our door. I've had so many people come by 
and so many people reach out. People I haven't spoken to in years have come to my house just to make sure that I am all right. And that is that is so great. But I've had to tell this story like a million times because they ask, why didn't you run? Why didn't you leave? My wife was getting text messages from friends of hers saying, run now, leave now, please leave now. My parents wanted us to leave right now. And on paper, it looks as if we should have run for our lives. And in retrospect, I wonder if maybe we should have run for our lives. We we were in a place where all the fires, the Nuns Fire, the Atlas Fire, the Tubbs Fire, could have conceivably come our way. And then later, there was the Oakmont Fire. And any of these fires could have trapped us. The Oakmont Fire could have blocked off Highway 12 and we would have we would have been stuck. We could have found some squirrely back ways to get out of here. I know, I know this place like the, I know it like the back of my hand. We would have escaped, but it could have got hairy if Highway 12 got blocked and the Oakmont Fire could have done it. We were, we were in the thick of it, but we had that building. And I'm like, once I see that building go up in flames, then I will book. Then I will book it. That seems like, I know that seems like a weird thing to do. It seems weird not to not to run at the first sight of fire, but I didn't want to leave the house unprotected. I thought that if I were here and the family was here, that leaves us some measure of defense. We have hoses, we have whatever, and it leaves us it leaves us some measure of defense against falling debris and falling embers and that was happening that was absolutely happening there was debris there was embers it was like little small meteors falling from the sky and as long as we were here we could squirt them down when we left a small one could become a big one real quick and i'm not saying i would have stayed here with oncoming flames like if i could if i saw the junior high collapse and i see it moving our way I'm out of here, but I didn't see that. And I realized when talking to my neighbors afterwards, that was, that was their thought too. On the entirety of our block, I only know of one, one dude who straight up evacuated. They left in the middle of the night. They saw the flames and they took off. I believe that's the prudent thing to do and I will not judge them or you do what you got to do. When, when the orders were in effect, they would say that you should evacuate now, or you should, if not being in a direct evacuation zone, if you feel unsafe, leave. That was the rule. If you feel unsafe, leave. And they felt unsafe, so they left. I did not at any point feel incredibly unsafe. I felt scared, but I wasn't like, oh, this is unsafe. If I was seeing flames in my yard, unsafe, I'm out of here. But I saw them I saw them past the junior high, and I don't know. I guess I probably should have left. I probably should have left. I should have been prudent, but I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to leave the house unprotected. I thought, I've explained this already, I thought I could put out small embers. I know I can't fight a big flame, but we didn't have big flames on us. We, me and the neighbors, were all communicating on this, and I said this in the previous episode, I know I did, we all... We were all in communication, and we we had a spotter. We had this guy, Bob, next door. He was on his roof with binoculars, and he was watching watching the fire, and he was giving us 
he was giving us updates. He was our he was our spotter. Bob came through like a champ, and he he told us when Oak Park caught fire. He told us when there was fire in the field. He had a really good view of everything. He had some nice binocs. He could see past the school. It was it was okay, but people were scared, and they were scared for us. And people have come by to see how we are because they were scared for us, and that is. That's understandable. I probably would have told me to bug out too, but I guess I felt like I had it, I had it in hand. I don't think I was being brave. At no point was I like, you're so brave, you're a hero. I never thought that, but I did, I did realize I was being really cool-headed and really level-headed, which is something that I'm happy about, man. I didn't panic. You never know how, you never know how you're going to react to something like this unless it happens, and I'm happy to say I didn't panic. I was able to, uh, I was able to keep it chill, and because of that, everything's all good in the hood. It's not even all because of that. It's because the wind changed directions. I I don't know why I spent so much time on that topic. I just, I wanted to clarify some things, because I have had, I have had people reach out to me and tell me that was a very harrowing tale, and that they thought I handled myself well, and I've had people reach out and say, you should have left what are you doing? Like, people who actually, like, know me in real life have heard the episode and reached out and been like, you should have left. What were you doing? I just never directly felt like I was in life or death danger. I realized the winds could shift, things could happen, and I could theoretically be in life or death danger, but I never was at any point thinking, I'm going to die. If I thought that, I'm out of here. I'm not that guy who's going to fight to the end of his life to save his comic collection. I am the dude who will be level-headed, keep an eye on things, try to make smart choices, and, you know, use my hose to put out debris until they tell me I have to leave and can't do that anymore. It's the prudent, yet eh, maybe a bit risky thing to do. I will admit, the whole thing was... It was a bit risky, but what are you going to do, man? There are sometimes risks in life. You know, life isn't, uh, life isn't guaranteed to be anything. It can be whatever at a moment's notice. That's another thing that is, um, that is tripping me out, I guess. Up until now, nothing like this has ever happened to me in my life. I don't know if anything like this has happened to a lot of people. And you go through life with this feeling of safety overall. You feel like... Maybe something would happen, but that things usually happen to other people. You base that on the fact that nothing, nothing's really happened so far. And now that, uh, that feeling of safety is really damaged, but that is to be expected. And I wonder if over time it'll go back to normal. I'm, uh, I'm having trouble sleeping. I find that I wake up around the time that I woke up and discovered the fires on the hill. The other night I I woke up. I do sometimes sleepwalk. I don't know if it's a, like completely sleepwalking. I'll just kind of like get up and wander around the house a bit in like a daze. Like a half asleep daze and... I do that from time to time. It's not really a big deal. I'll usually forget what I did. Like, I'll wake up and discover I ate a handful of Cheerios. I'll remember it when I see the Cheerios on the counter. Things like that. But the other night I woke up, last night, I woke up and I was looking out the, out the back door. There is, um, 
there's a light on the hill. It's, you know, I guess so helicopters don't crash into it. I don't know. It's like a big light tower. And you can see it off in the distance. It is, it's sort of an orange color. And I was looking out toward it with my glasses on, off rather. I was looking at it with my glasses off. And I was uh, looking off toward that light trying to figure out if it was a fire or not. Without my glasses on, it was a blur and I couldn't tell. I've woken up that time a a few times uh, already since then. And it's only been like a week, I guess. I guess that'll go away, but it's hard to, um, hard to get that feeling of safety back that was once there. Now I know that, uh, anything can pop off, and I want you guys to know anything can pop off and try to be ready. What else is going on? Oh, after, after we left, I discovered this from talking to a dude over on Estes. That's the, that's the block over from my block, and they were in my opinion, a bit more in fire danger than we were. They come along, like, the side of the middle school, whereas we are behind the middle school, so they didn't have that protection. Fortunately, nothing really headed off in that direction, but they they got evacuated, too. If you recall in the fire escape episode, I told you how we went over to the we went over to Oak Park with shovels, and we were going to try to see what we could do to fight the fire over there. The Estes crew went over there after us, but they were a bit more persistent, and they had uh, they had some, like, squirters. Like, the dude was saying they had some, you know, firefighting equipment. I don't know what they had. They had some, some whatever, but they got into the field where the fire was, and they started... They started fighting on it after after we left, and as soon as we got evacuated, we boned out. These guys, these guys from the Estes crew, went over there after the evacuation, and they were they were squirting at stuff over there until the fire guy came out and told them, "Hey, you guys got to get out of here, man! Your shoes are not meant for firefighting. Your tennis shoes are going to burn. They will melt onto your feet. The ground is on fire." They were melt onto your feet, so they had to all bone out. I learned this from I learned this from this homeboy I know over on Estes, but I gotta give a big up to the Estes crew, dude. They were fighting hard to save save the neighborhood. There were there were other dudes out there fighting hard to save the neighborhood too. I read this story in the newspaper. Out past um out past Oak Park, there is the Little League baseball field, the Rinka Valley Little League baseball field. And this was this was something I had wondered about. I haven't had the heart to go out past Oak Park up that road because that was where a lot of houses and structures got burned. I just don't have, I don't have the heart. And plus, I don't think it's cool to, I don't think it's cool to looky-loo, to go purposely looky-loo all that much. I don't, I don't think that's what the people, what the people need. So I haven't gone over there because I haven't had reason to go over there, but I'd worried about the condition of the Little League Park. It's a landmark. It's been around Rinkin Valley since the 60s, and many a, many a Rinkin Valley Little League player, you know, covets that place. It's important. I would go watch my brother's games there, and I've gone over just to, just to check out a game every once in a while. It's fun, you know, you get a soda at the snack bar. It's kind of, kind of seems like a cool neighborhood thing to do. I wondered about the park, and in the paper, I found out that the park made it just fine, but they made it because these two kids, the Castle Brothers... 2.0 know these kids. They're Binkley kids. Binkley Elementary. They've been down with uh, each other for many a moons. And the the Castle Brothers got evacuated out of Rinkin Valley like we did. But 
much like we did, they decided to sneak back in. And when they snuck back in, they started thinking about the, uh, like, the Little League Park and what was going on over there. So they went over, and when they got there, they discovered that there was, there was fire. Not major fire, but fire encroaching on the Little League field. So the kid had been a player for years and a volunteer for years. So he knew how to, how to activate the pumps. They're on a well system. So he went over to the pump room turned it on and they got the hoses and they and they put out the fire that was around the Little League Park. They saved the Little League Park and they saved some other stuff too because if that fire keeps moving, man, it's going to be in my backyard before you know it. So I definitely give it up to the to the Castle Brothers. They put the fire out with the hose and then they used like shovels and stuff and they dug a trench. They dug a trench around the Little League field and then they used a uh, some baseball dirt, you know, they had like a truckload of like the special clay that you use for infields and they used that to uh, make a wall around the outside of the trench, an encroaching wall. So I think these dudes, these dudes get the biggest props I can give. They get the Icy Robots Radio Props of the Day Award. I've never given one out before, but I feel this merits it because they did some cool stuff, man. They put out a fire, they saved the Little League field in a sense, they stopped a fire that could have moved into Rinkin Valley. And this is like a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. These dudes, these dudes represent Rinkin Valley to the fullest. I like the, I like the stories of heroes. I enjoy hearing about people who came through, people who rose to another level and did the right thing to take care of whatever situation is going on. Let's, let's take a quick commercial break and then we will... We'll come back with a few stories of heroes. I have a couple that really, that really stick with me, and I'll uh, I'll share them with you in a sec. You are listening to the Toys R Us report. My friends depend on me, Smokey B, to voice a plea. Respect the forest, protect our trees. Don't what I do. Smoke, baby, what's the trouble? Round, this isn't me. Smoke, you're 50. We agreed you'd talk to kids in their language. I know, but I'll just give it to them straight. Kids, only you can prevent forest fires. Smokey, the look. I gotta get back to the forest. Here's a here's a fun fact. The night of the fire, I was wearing a Smokey the Bear t-shirt. And then the next day when we were, you know, hosing in the house and putting out debris in the yard, I was I was still wearing the Smokey the Bear t-shirt. 2.0 looks at me and goes, I can't believe you're wearing that shirt right now. What's what's your deal? It was no deal. It was strictly strictly a coincidence. Um there were a lot, a lot, a lot of good people during this everybody everybody came together and i am very proud of the people in my area they showed courage and they showed kindness the the need for supplies for the evacuees was it was almost immediately met and then immediately completely overdone there were so many donations that people didn't know what to do with all of them that's a good problem to have people really opened up and people were people were really kind they gave a lot a lot a lot of stuff even now there is just so much clothes and so much you know toiletries and so many things and there are so many people in need that I'm sure eventually it will it will all get used by by someone there are like a few stories that really got to me and I'm gonna 
I'm going to share them. Um, there was, of course, Guy Fieri, celebrity chef Guy Fieri came out and he was serving over 5,000 meals a day to evacuees out of his, uh, out of his smoker. Dude came through like a true California bro. And then when, when the fire initially jumped off that night, I was online looking for any information I could find. And the most best accurate info I found was from... City Councilwoman Julie Combs's Twitter. She was on a police scanner. I don't have one of my own. And I I do plan on getting one. But she was on the police scanner all night. Tweeting out very credible info. And I appreciated that. She may have... She may have saved some lives. There were some issues with the evacuation alert system. They didn't... They didn't send out like a citywide notice that people needed to get out. And... It may have been through Julie Combs's tweets that some people knew to get out, and I gotta, I gotta give it up to her. She um, was the first person out there providing reliable information. And then, you guys have heard me in the past mention the the creature feature show that I watch on Channel Twenty KOFY TV Twenty. It's a show that that I enjoy a lot. The the host of it, Vincent Van Dahl, is a Santa Rosa guy. His name is Jeff Bodine. And he, as soon as the fire started jumping off, he formed a Facebook group called the Santa Rosa Firestorm Update. It immediately went up to it went up to 70,000 members, and he, he moderated it. Even after he got evacuated from his ranch, he was still out there helping to provide any kind of information he could through the Facebook group. There were points where... Where the Facebook group turned into chaos, and overall, it probably made me feel more anxious than it did good, because anybody could post, and a lot of people were reporting, like, I see fire over here, I see fire over here, I see it up on the hill, I see it down this way, it's behind the Safeway, it's reached the cross on the hill, any number of things, and I don't think that people were lying, I think they were just scared, but... This was one of the only places to get information from, so I had to follow these scared people, and it did make me anxious, but I got to give it up to Jeff Bodine for being so, so much of a community picture that he went out there and he set this up for everybody, even, you know, moderating it through his own evacuation. That's, that's pretty cool of you, man. I appreciate you as a Santa Rosen as well as a creature feature host. And... And just today, I read in the paper uh, the story of an 85-year-old woman in Montecito Heights who was fighting fires on her own in her nightgown and slippers with a hose. She put out a bunch of fires in the Montecito Heights area that could have that could have reached far and beyond because at that point there were no available fire trucks. That is something that that is something that we ran into. There's only there's only so many fire trucks in the area, and once they're out doing stuff, they're out doing stuff. So any other fire that pops off is going to be your responsibility to a degree. If it's near you, you're on your own. I I have so much respect for this woman. She's out there in the windstorms fighting fires on her own with a garden hose. She was saying that the wind was so powerful where she was that she was knocked off her feet a few times, but... She did what she could until a truck was able to free itself and come put the fires out on a, on a bigger than garden hose scale. It's just so great, though. It's just so great to hear people like that. There was a story that 
This story has brought me to tears more than once. I'm not I'm not afraid to admit that I cry. I'm man enough to admit that when I hear tragedies, I sometimes cry. What do you want me to say, man? I have I have feelings like anybody. There was a family that had to evacuate their ranch. It got to them and they weren't woken up in time to be able to gather up their livestock and they weren't able to get their dog Odin. They had goats and the dog Odin was the shepherd for the goats and they weren't able to get him away. They weren't able to get him to leave his herd. He wasn't going to do it and the fires were coming. They were coming in hot and they had children so they had to go. I understand. I I can't imagine how heartbreaking it would be to have to leave a pet behind, but they make choices of their own. If they're not going to get in the car and the fire's coming, you have to do what you have to do to protect your to protect your human family, your own children. And they had to leave, and the entire time they were gone, they were thinking about Odin and the tragic death that they had left him to face. Eventually, they were allowed to go back to their ranch, and when they got there, Odin was still alive, and not only was he still alive, he had kept his kept his goats alive, too. During the night, Odin moved the goats up and down and all around the field. You could see on the ground that the entire thing was burnt, but he would move them from one place to the other, keeping, keeping these goats alive. When they came and they finally found him, the... The poor boy had the pads on his feet were burnt and he could no longer walk, but he was he was surrounded by the goats who were now protecting him. It's just it's just an amazing story. Dogs are so great. Dogs are so great. And Odin. Odin is a true hero dog. He kept his he kept his flock safe. He he gets the second. The second IC Robots Props Award. I give a I give another one to that 85-year-old lady. And I give one to Guy Fear. Y'all get the big you get the props award. Jeff Bodine, you get one too. Castle Brothers, I'm I'm so proud of all of you. I'm so proud of so many Santa Rosa people who just came through in a clutch. I also, I saw pictures of the evacuation. We had two hospitals in our area were evacuated. The Kaiser and, and the Sutter. The Kaiser is over near Coffee Park. It's over near the Kmart and all those buildings that, that burned. It was... It was seriously in risk of going down, and I've seen pictures of the evacuation. The The staff and people who were there were pulling pulling passengers out on gurneys with with flames approaching. The, the main disc jockey of our local radio station, KZST, which is directly across from the Kaiser, he went over there and he was helping to pull people out. He was helping to evacuate people. It was... It was a truly horrifying scene. I've seen pictures. The The sky was red with flames, and there were people pulling people with gurneys, on gurneys, rather, through the parking lot to safety. It was, it was something, man. So many people came through. So many people were so brave. I read the story of... There was a guy who was a caretaker for a disabled woman. She, she was unable to walk on her own, and they... They got stuck behind in the Coffee Park neighborhood during the evacuation. They they weren't able to get out in time. They were trapped. And this guy, he pushed her out in a wheelchair, out into a park, into an open area of a park. And just like Odin, he moved her around the park throughout the night. He was out there for eight hours with fire on one side and fire on the other side. And as the fire would move, he would move himself and her to another area and then... 
if another safe area, he would move over there trying to trying to stay one step ahead of the approaching flames. I've read in the paper that he felt as if he was certain to die, but he had to he had to do what he could do to stay alive and to protect his to protect the lady he cared for. And then when the morning broke and the fire broke, he he was lucky enough and brave enough to survive. It's it's hard to tell these stories again. When I hear stories of heroes, I really it really breaks me up inside. I I I love how courageous people could be. Santa Rosa Santa Rosa has a lot of brave people. Let me tell you about one more, and then we'll then we'll move on to something else. When we evacuated our house, I remember telling you that as we were going out, there was a fire crew coming in, and these were the people who were able to put the fire out at Oak Park that saved that saved our houses. It turns out that they were an all jail inmate fire crew. That's something that we have here in California. If a, if a nonviolent offender so wishes they can volunteer to become trained as wildcat firemen, they, they're the ones who go out and directly fight forest fires with shovels and pickaxes and stuff. It's, it's a way for them to give back and they gave back in spades. I, I imagine in my head the situation was so dire. There were no available trucks anywhere. They had no choice but to call out the the real life suicide squad, as it were. And these guys, these guys put it all on the line to save my house and to save Rincon Valley. So I gotta, I gotta give it up to them too, man. Suicide squad, jailhouse inmate, fire team. You dudes, you dudes have as high an amount of respect as I can give to anybody. You. Whatever your nonviolent offenses were, I forgive you in my heart. I forgive you from the bottom of my heart. You guys are great. There were just so many great people, but there were also bad people, believe it or not. There were lootings going on, which is just, which is just bananas to me. I can't imagine being the kind of person who would take advantage of somebody like that. But there were a lot of homes evacuated and a lot of people snuck in and did a lot of bad stuff. The... The Rinka Valley neighborhood that I live in was evacuated and we came back before it was, it was open for whatever reason. They didn't have our streets blocked off. A lot of the evacuated streets were blocked off and guarded by police, but ours were, ours were wide open. So we just, we just came back home and there were reportings of looters in the area and there were arrests of looters. Uh, after everything started, I followed like the Facebook of the sheriff and the police, and they were they were busting looters left and right. I was in my house, and I heard I heard a dirt bike and a four wheeler on my street. So I'm just like, what the heck is that? Who's riding a four wheeler on my block? So I kind of I kind of looked out the shades, and I saw the motorcycle was in the front. And the four-wheeler was in the back. And these were these were sketchy-looking dudes that I had never seen before. And next to them, there were four people walking, two on each side. And they were going, they were going slowly down the street, looking super-duper-duper suspicious. So when I saw them, I flicked on my porch light so these, so these fools would know I was home. I imagine that... I imagine looters to be cowards. I don't think they're the kind of dudes who are looking for any kind of conflict. They want to find the houses that are empty. And those are the houses they want to get. So I'm just like, flick on the lights. Let these uh, let these dudes know I'm home. But they went, 
they went up our block and down our block. It was, it was pretty scary, man. I, I don't have any kind of heavy artillery here to defend myself against a bunch of loot crews. And that was, that was weird. And then I saw a similar group go by, but this group was two dudes on dirt bikes next to each other. I don't know if they were the same loot crew or a different loot crew, but they were, they were definitely dudes who did not look like dudes who live around here. I essentially know everybody in my neighborhood, if not by name, but by appearance. And these were guys I've, I've never seen before. A lot of people around here were taking the looting serious. Just up around the corner, somebody put a sign that said, you loot, we shoot. And right across the street from us, the family there put up a sign that said, we are home and we are armed. And they drew a big gun. I, I've gone around on Instagram looking at pictures of Rincon Valley, just trying to like gather in and take a, take a peek at other people's fire situations. And there was something called the, called the Rincon Valley Militia over on the other side of Rincon Valley. And they were patrolling up and down through their neighborhood in like armed guy fashion. You know, they had a, they had rifles slung on their back and they were patrolling their neighborhood in case of looters. And I don't know, man, I'm not for citizen militias overall, but in a situation like this, where the police are all going to be off doing more, more important things, it may be up to you to, to patrol your neighborhood. And as long as you do it in a responsible fashion, there were also reports of people getting beat. There was a guy who got beat down over in a different neighborhood that was evacuated. He was going back and some, you know, small time militia like beat the heck out of him because they didn't recognize him. But it turned out he did. He did in fact live on that block. So I could appreciate you wanting to protect your neighborhood. I want to protect my neighborhood too. But you know, use, uh, use your brain a bit. You just can't grab some guy that you don't recognize and beat him up. That's that's uncalled for in any situation. I think you just want to, you want to provide a presence. You want to be like Kurt Sawa and the Guardian Angels. You know, you want to like just patrol the streets and your berets and let people know you're there. You don't want to take it upon yourself to give beatdowns. That's just me though. I am not, I'm not the kind that gives down, gives up beatdowns. I just, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody. I, I am willing to protect myself and protect my house, but I don't, I don't want to be aggressive and hurt anybody, but Hey man, it was, it was a scary situation. After, after they evacuated the area off Calistoga Road by the Safeway, they, this point, they were getting a bit more organized and they realized they had to call in the National Guard. They, they went ahead and they blocked off all the streets one could use to get up on towards Sonoma. Sonoma and Oakmont and these areas like Kenwood, they were all evacuated. This was when, this was when the Oakmont fire popped off and they blocked off every road one could use conceivably to get to Oakmont. And they had National Guardsmen blocking off the roads. They had like military vehicles and they had rifles and they had the whole bit. A couple times I saw... National Guard vehicles go up and down my street after after everything popped off they put down a mandatory curfew of 7:15 and after that point you would see every once in a while like a National Guard vehicle go down the street that was that was one of the more surreal things that went down i've never seen a legitimate military presence in my neighborhood but I definitely do appreciate it because, like I said, there were loot crews rolling up and down the block. 
It was it was just so weird. Another thing that was weird was immediately after the fire started, this I don't know what you would call it. It was kind of like a meme, uh, like a rumor that there was this guy driving around Santa Rosa in a black Civic trying to trying to start fires like he would stop at a field and like try to stop a fire start a fire rather and all these people were all these people were reposting this all over the various fire groups and then then people started reporting that they saw the black civic and it became like it became this thing everybody was looking for the black civic like they had a picture of it with the license plate and everybody was Everybody was looking for this guy when they were out. I wonder I wonder what the origin of the Black Civic story was. I wonder who was the person who put together the initial the initial picture of this car with this license plate and then there was like some kids in a field stomping out a fire. I wonder I wonder what the origin of that was. That came and then I think that the moderators from the fire groups were just deleting it as it would pop up, but that one that one kept popping off, and I don't know if there ever even was a guy in a black Civic. The The police were saying they heard no official reports of the black Civic, which is, which is interesting that the rumor, you know, forced the police. The police are already working hard. They're doing hard work, and this rumor forced them to release a statement that, as far as they know, there wasn't, like, an arsonist in the, in the black Civic. Oh, and then... And then this happened. They arrested a homeless guy in a park in Sonoma for trying to start a campfire in the, in like the creek at the park. It's like a concrete, concrete creek, I believe. And he was starting a fire down there and he got arrested. And this immediately got picked up by all these crazy news sources like Breitbart and all this stuff and then they were reporting that this guy was the dude who started the fire that that he was you know he was the arsonist behind the whole thing but the deal is the guy got the guy got popped a week after everything started so he wasn't the culprit but this became this became like a national news story people were talking about this in like big reputable news sources that they had captured the arsonist that started started the fire when it wasn't true very interesting it was very interesting to be inside of a news story and to see what was being reported from from people we were watching a lot of our this would be our most local news i think cron they are an independent station out of um san francisco at one time they were an affiliate of something. My TV was that what it was when this was around? But now, now they're this. At one time, they were an NBC station. We used to have two NBC stations in the same region, but then one got one lost the rights, and that was that was Cron. But we were watching the KRON news, and it was so interesting to see what they were reporting when you were when you were in the story. They kept playing. The same, the same images over and over again of burning neighborhoods. If you were only like half paying attention to the story, you would think that Santa Rosa was on fire for like a week straight. And there were fires for a week straight, but they were wildfires. At first, the city of Santa Rosa was on fire and there was a constant risk of fire and 
that was not untrue, but they were showing the images from the first day, from the first night, that windy night when everything was, everything was insane. We're going to be referring to that as that night for all eternity. They were showing the images from that night and they kept playing them throughout the week. They weren't playing new images of the forest fires or of the people inside Santa Rosa and smoky Santa Rosa. It was the same, same night. And if you were only paying half attention, you would not be getting an accurate, an accurate idea of what was going on. And even if you were paying attention like we were, it was just so sensationalistic. I did not like the tone of it. I didn't feel as if the tone was, I would be playing a disaster up in a, in a somber sense, in a serious sense. And they, a lot of these newscasters seemed as if they were just really happy to have a juicy story to talk about. It was very, very salacious in my opinion. And I did not appreciate it. The, the news source that was the best was 1350 AM. KSRO, that's our local uh, news talk affiliate. They had around the clock coverage the first few days. They had interviews with the Cal Fire people every few hours, with the Sheriff, Sheriff Rob every few hours. That's our dude, Sheriff Rob. He came through like a champ. He is the interim police chief of the, uh, you know, the whole deal. And this fell into his lap and dude came out like a champ the whole time. And he was on the radio a few times a day with KSRO. This lady, Pat Garrigan, stayed on the air for seemingly 24 hours a day, five days straight. Every time I turned it on, it would be Pat Garrigan. She was giving super reliable information in the tone you would want to hear it in. No salaciousness, none of that way they talk with. They're just, you could tell they're excited to have something cool to talk about. She was... She was in the thick of it. I think I said this in the last episode. At one point, the fire got behind KSRO and they had to leave the air to go be evacuated. But then they were they were allowed back in. Those folks came through. Some people, some people who did not. This kind of, uh, this surprised me. Pretty soon after the fire broke out, there were people in the fire group who were claiming that there was a guided energy weapon used against Sonoma County that started the whole fire. What I mean is some people were coming off saying that a laser was fired into Sonoma County on purpose and that um that was the that was the start of the whole thing. And that was that was weird and I I, I like a conspiracy theory like anybody, but to be talking this kind of weird silly nonsense so soon after something happens was just just a weird, I went on YouTube and I, I did a search for, for Santa Rosa fire. I was hoping to find like a news report to, to watch or something. And I could not believe it. It was like a couple days into the fire and there were already a long stream of weird YouTube conspiracy videos about how this guided energy weapon was the cause of the fire. I, I don't know, man. Super weird. And it was weird, too, because I watched a couple of the videos and there were people in the videos in Santa Rosa. I watched one video where this person drove down Calistoga Road and was talking about the guided energy weapon and like pointing places out where where they thought there was laser damage. So weird. So weird. But I guess we all cope in different ways. You know, guess we all cope in different ways, but 
I don't I don't want people believing that my town was zapped when a laser when more than likely a power pole went down in the wind and the wind started whipping up embers and there you go, you know, everything pops off. It seems like a what's that, Occam's razor, where you believe the most likely situation to have occurred rather than the least likely to occurred, which is, you know, being zapped with the later laser. But I don't know, man. We all cope in different ways. What else? What else? I'm going to... I'm going to get ready to, like, like wind this up. But let's see what else is there to get down on the record before before we head out. This was weird. After we came back from the evacuation and after there was the, the second evacuation, the Calistoga Road evacuation, we... We were driving around Rinkin Valley just trying to see what you could see fire-wise. You had to you had to stay alert. So we're driving around and it was it was so weird. It was like there was nobody around. It was a ghost town. It was like a it was like a post-apocalyptic movie. The air was brown with smoke and it was only getting worse because the Oakmont fire was you know, it was within wind distance, so the smoke was picking up. I'm wearing, I'm wearing a bandana, a blue bandana over my mouth the whole time. The, the kid has a mask and the wife has a mask. They, they both had N95s, which are the ones that you want, but I wanted to look cool. So I was wearing a bandit mask. A lot of people were wearing bandit masks. A lot of people were wearing N95s, people were wearing surgical masks, people were wearing goggles. I saw that, but we were, we were driving around Rinkin Valley just seeing if there was anything going on, and we, we went over to the Safeway, which was, which was open, believe it or not. They were directly on the line of the evacuation. Like, the front of Safeway would be open, but the back of Safeway would technically be in an evacuation zone, but they... They decided to let them stay open as long as they were comfortable in there. And we were happy for that because we were able to go and get some supplies. We were running low on stuff. We we had groceries, but it was getting near the start of the new grocery cycle. So we were, we were running low on stuff and we decided to dip inside the Safeway and right out front of the store, Cal Fire had set up a information station they had a uh they had a fireman there on a board with a board rather and he had a map and he could show you like where the fire was what was going on and people were gathered around the board everybody wanted accurate information and the fireman was cool he was really polite and friendly and he was he was asking everybody where they lived on the map and he he wanted to make sure everybody was okay. He was a very, very nice guy, and he asked us where where we were on the map, and we showed him our street, and he went, ugh, like, you guys almost got it. He's like, it got uh, pretty hairy over there for you guys, and I said, oh, yeah, it was it was hairy, man. It was pretty hairy. It was like Tom Selleck's chest. It was hairy enough to uh, satisfy anyone, and he's like, you're darn right. You guys got lucky, and I said, we got lucky. And so after that, like, we went inside the Safeway and it was an absolutely surreal scene because the entire store was empty. It was me, the wife, and 2.0 and we're walking around and there was nobody in the entire place. I've never, 
I've never had that experience before. It was just so weird. We're walking through, and our disaster supplies consisted of this. We bought a bag of oranges, a bag of apples, a big thing of beef jerky, a bag of potato chips, 2.0, wanted ice cream. So I bought her some ice cream. We got some cereal. There was no milk. There was no milk in the place, so we ended up putting the cereal back, and instead we got, um, we got granola bars, and that was it. We were like, we can't stock up because the power could go out at any moment, so we just gotta, we just gotta go with, like, a little bit of stuff, so we were basically eating, like, hard-boiled eggs, and we were eating granola bars and beef jerky for a few days man that's what it was like it wasn't anywhere near as bad as it could have been it was not anywhere as near bad as it was for a lot of people but for a while it was it was hairy the air was black there was no food there was this constant specter hanging over your head of imminent danger we were We were so scared of the Tubbs fire, and then the Oakmont fire started, and at that point, it was, it was pretty hard to deal with. I was only sleeping a few hours a night, as you can imagine. I wanted to, wanted to stay on alert, and the wife offered to fill in for me on alert, but I don't know. I was the only one that I trusted enough. Not that I don't trust her to be able to watch, but the only way I could feel safe is if I was watching. So I don't know if that's a healthy attitude or not. It's probably not, but it's just the way the way that I felt at the time. It was just such a surreal time, and it's not it's not over by any means. In Santa Rosa, we've had a bit of a housing crisis in the first place. There just isn't enough there isn't enough houses to go around and we've lost so many so many places to live and there are just hundreds and hundreds of people people that are displaced i'm talking to the wife and one of her friends at work lost her house and they they literally can't find a new one they are going to get insurance money and they can afford a new place to rent but they cannot literally find one there are none available and they are amongst Hundreds of families that are all going to be looking for places to go. And these places to go just do not exist. It's not as if they're there and they can't afford them, even though that is frequently the case. For whatever reason, it costs a fortune to live in Santa Rosa. And some people some people just can't afford to pay, pay the rents. Like, for whatever reason, you know, they had a nice deal where they were. And now they're out there and the only available places are high-priced and... The prices are only going higher. Some landlords are taking advantage of what's going on and they're jacking the uh, jacking the rent up, which I just do not agree with at all. I think that's I think that's mean. I think that's taking advantage of your your fellow man. I would never, never in a million years do something like that. But there are just not enough houses to go around for all the people who lost their houses. This is a major, major crisis in that regard. I don't know. I don't know what the solution to that one's going to be. It's going to be uh, it's going to be something seeing what they what they come up with, and it's going to be interesting to see how how Santa Rosa rebuilds and how Santa Rosa grows and how Santa Rosa changes from all this. I I don't know what the future holds. I mean, we're you know we're good folks, we're brave, we're cool, we're all that. We will definitely 
will definitely rebound, but it's going to be interesting to see what the what the solutions what the solutions are. So there you have it, man. This is another entire episode of Fire Stories. My voice is starting to go a little bit. I got a tickle in my throat. The air is the air's cleared up as far as a lot of you know the visual smoke in the air, but there's like there's a weird taste, and I think to myself, there's a weird taste. It's because you're it's because you're tasting particles, and the particles are they're doing a number on my throat. I got a I got a cough. I've been editing coughs out left and right this whole episode, so I'm gonna go. Uh, I hope you guys hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you learned something from this. Keep uh keep your families closed. Be safe. Be good. Be brave. And until next time, if you don't know, now you know. 